Uh, but tonight, um, I'm really excited about tonight because uh, the topic is uh, fellowship. Uh, like God has called us in 1 John 1, it says, we're called to have fellowship with the God of light. And if we claim to have fellowship with God, who is light and yet walk in darkness, uh, we do not practice the truth and we dis- deceive ourselves. But then it says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and we have fellowship with the Father. And so uh, one of the things that I've learned about in, in, like in my life, and I don't know if this is true for you, but I'm assuming it is, oftentimes stories are way more powerful than messages. And, and tonight, um, I want to share a story with you, and I want to interview uh, Ben Jones, uh, who, um, you can sit there for a second. I'll have you come up in a second. I know you're excited, I know. <coughs> so I went to high school with Ben. We went to Valley Christian High School together. Um, I won't get into all the details. We went to college together, so fellow Trojans, fellow antelopes. Any other antelopes in here? <laughs> How many commuted down tonight? Two of you. Yes, <laughs> that's great. Um, uh, so I've, I have walked, um, I've been in proximity with Ben for many years. And uh, one of the things that I was wanting to talk about was how when you don't have fellowship with the God of light, uh, you have fellowship with darkness. And uh, one of the things that I hope tonight really teaches us and that God teaches us through Ben's story is that our fellowship with God, um, I hope you see how beautiful that is, but I also hope you, you hear the dangers of fellowship with darkness. And so this is really a, a story about light and darkness and how God, uh, in his grace and mercy, just transforms the darkness of our lives and in our, in our world uh, with his love and grace. And so uh, without any much more, how, how about you guys invite Ben Jones up to the stage? <laughs> All right, um, so, and I would just say one other thing before we kind of jump in. Um, I, I would just be mindful and prayerful uh, that you would find your story within Ben's story. Uh, I feel like uh, whenever we've met Christ, uh, for those of us who have met Christ in the room, when we hear stories about God's salvation and God's grace, they're like echoes of our own story. And so I hope that fills you with thankfulness tonight. And for those of you in the room, I know not everybody in the room is a follower of Jesus, and I, I would just encourage you to listen, and uh, I want you to see how Jesus changes real people. Uh, not just concepts, it's not just theories, but Jesus meets real people in real places, and that's what we have the privilege of uh, talking about tonight. So, Ben, are you comfortable? How's yeah, that seat? It's good. It's comfortable. Very um, nice. Can you say hey, everybody? Hey, everybody. <laughs> you guys say hey to Ben. All right, so, so here's, if you come to the Casperson RC... Uh, my wife always has funny, random questions to, like, kind of break the ice and kind of introduce nice. new people. So I know some of you know Ben, some of you don't. Ben doesn't know I'm going to do this. And if you don't like the questions, Crystal told me she did not come up with all the questions. So Lee and Harley and, and Sarah were a part of that. Oh, no. So, all right. So credit where credit's due. All right. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, what did you do at recess as a kid? Kickball. That was easy. Kickball. Did you kick a lot of home runs? Yeah, and I love pelting people. All right, were you like the pitcher that liked to grab it? Or no, like no, no, I like to be in the outfield. Wherever I get to hit people the most with the ball, that's where I wanted to be. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, this is a good one. What is your guilty pleasure song? Oh, well, for y'all who don't know me, I don't know if it's a song. I'm obsessed with Justin Bieber, like obsessed. <laughs> no shame. Like that whole Spotify, like end of the year thing they give you, I'm like the top 1% of Justin Bieber listeners. Like, yes. So I'm going to his concert on February 22nd. Hope to see y'all there. Did you, did you say a song? Uh, I didn't give a song. I just gave. What, what, like top. Top song of his? One of your top three. That's crazy. Um, oh, man, he's got so many. I don't know if I could give one. Babe, what do I listen to the most? I don't know. I don't I think I can do it. I don't think I can think of a single top You're favorite. such a fan you can't even think of a song. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. There, here's a different question. If you were a type of jeans, what would you be? A type of jeans? I know Crystal came up with this one. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> she says no. Um, a type of jeans. I don't know, like a brand or like a cut? No, a cut. Give me a cut. Athletic. Athletic fit. He's got that <laughs> athletic fit. There you go. Is that Kendrick approved? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, that was my good joke. We'll move on. All right, last question. Uh, what unexpected thing did you have in your locker in high school? Unexpected? So 
my mom used to pack me a lunch, um, but I didn't eat it a lot because it was like sandwiches every day. And I would just like throw them in my locker. And sometimes I'd find them at the end of the year. And <laughs> that's disgusting. They were nasty. What time is, what time, what, was it like PB&J? Because that's different than like spoiled uh, meat and it, veggies. It honestly, was, it was, I'm allergic to peanut butter, so it definitely wasn't PB&J. It was usually meat, to be honest. But I just didn't use my locker a lot. So that's at the true. end of the year, you have to clean it out. It was, mm. uh, it was not a fun time. No. How many of you were like the messy locker? It was just like a tornado hit. Just my wife? And Dan Mood, yeah, Dan can't hide in the yeah, back. That makes sense. How many of you are like, it was like perfectly ordered all the time? Like, it was Harley for sure. Yeah. Jeff Tenney, I could see that. Yeah. All right. All right, well, let's just uh, let's jump into tonight. Why don't you give us a little bit of, of a background about who you are, um, maybe a little bit about childhood, but like, who are you? And okay, yeah. so on and so forth. So, um, my name's Ben Jones, for those of you who already forgot. Um, I am, I'm originally from Canada, I was born there, and I moved here when I was seven. Um, yeah, I'm uh, currently right now, I'm, I just got married three months ago to that beautiful woman right there, um, and Leonie, if you haven't met her, she's great. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of back to the beginning um, of my life. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was three, and so that kind of led to my mom getting remarried in Canada, but he was there for business, so we ended up moving to Arizona because of that. So I ended up getting three new sisters. So I grew up in a house with four sisters and a brother. Um, four sisters are a lot to handle. Um, for those of you who have sisters, you understand. Um, yes, yeah, so I grew Maybe up. Maybe you were a lot to handle. I'm sure I was too. I was the youngest. I was the baby okay. of the family. So, you know, of six kids, I was, I was definitely a lot to handle. Um, but yeah, so I grew up um, here in Arizona in Gilbert, I moved to Gilbert when I was seven, and I, uh, my, my, my first uh, few years here was kind of traveling back and forth from here to Michigan where my dad lived, and then he ended up moving here, and I spent a lot of like my childhood kind of going back and forth between my mom's and my dad's. Um, for those of you who have a divorced parent, you understand that, you know, two Christmases, a whole lot. Um, but yeah, so I uh, ended up going back and forth with him, and it was, uh, my, my parents, uh, my mom and my stepdad, believers, I grew up in the church um, since I was little, and my dad um, was an unbeliever, did not believe in God, and it was kind of like this like polar opposite teaching from my mom and dad. It was, I go to my dad's, what's right there is wrong in mom's, what is wrong in mom's is right at dad's. So it was like a very weird thing to kind of navigate as a kid, like what is actually right and wrong. Um, did you feel like they tried to, like, each one tried to convince you of their own thing? Oh, or 100%. Was it just like, it was, like, very much like, oh, that's wrong, this is right. Um, you know, I'd see something that my dad's that was, like, maybe a little provocative or bad. I'm, like, a young kid, and he's, like, don't tell your mom. Like, you know, like, he's, like, but this is okay, you know. So I'm, like, okay, well, that's fine. Like, just, like, it was just constant, like, your mother's wrong, your dad is wrong. Like, like all just back and forth, They they really... It was, it was kind of a toxic um, conversation to have with my dad about my mom or my mom about my dad. Um, so that, that was like a struggle for me kind of growing up um, in my life. Um, but yeah, so. So you had those, so two different parents as far as parenting, yeah. uh, faith. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you process your own faith when both of your parents were different in that way? Yeah, so. For my faith, I mean, I always believed in God. Like, I never, there was never like a, like, oh, I don't believe. It's just like, I would go to church every Sunday. I'd go to the Wednesday night groups, like, the, like youth group. My mom would force me to go. And I think that I'd never really had to process my faith in the sense of, like, kind of battling between my parents because I just my relationship with my mom was so much stronger than it was with my dad. So I didn't really have this, like, that huge connection with him. So I just naturally, like, I believed in God. Um, that being said, going there, I, be I believed in God. And I, I learned the stories. I learned the, the, the gospel and everything. And I knew all the information, you know, as much as you can know as a kid. And it wasn't so much that I didn't believe. I just, like, never really had a relationship with Jesus. Like, I knew about God, but I didn't know And so, um, <clears throat> so I feel like w when we talk, you kind of have a 
your, your parents are, are split up, so you're navigating that. But you're kind of living, other than that, a semi-normal childhood. Yeah, yeah, Going pretty, pretty normal. Um, the only thing was there was like a period of time when I was 13 that I was diagnosed with depression. And like my, my mom, I went to like the therapist and they were like, uh, I kind of had all these issues with my dad and like my brother. And I just like had all, I just like didn't know how to process it. And they were like, go to your dad and tell him this. And I went to my dad and he told me it was my fault. And I was like, I'm never sharing my feelings to him or anybody. Like, yeah, not, not again. Yeah. I'm not going to therapy. And I just kind of stuffed all that away. But Did they ask like you to go to therapy? Like my mom, my mom did. She was very like, you should go. This is like an issue. You need to go. And then after that moment, I was like, never again. And I haven't, I never went back. But um, yeah, it was just, uh, apart from that, like, I would say about a year of my life that was like kind of like a, I struggled quite a bit. Like I had a very normal childhood, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the when you've kind of like shared kind of your story with me and as I've watched, I, I, if we use the imagery of like light and darkness, like mm-hmm. light being walking in the ways of the Lord, darkness being following the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians 2 talks about being led by our sinful desires. I, I kind of picture high school for you, or at least the tail end, kind of being your start of your descent into darkness. Yeah, one like leaving, leaving the light and just starting your descent into darkness. So why don't you kind of, you get to high school. Yeah. Were you at Valley your first year? No, I started at Gilbert High. That's right. And then I transferred there second semester of my junior year. Of junior year. Yeah. Okay, so you're at Gilbert, is that what you said? Yeah. You're at Gilbert High your first two years. Briefly, what was that like? Yeah, so like that was a, I hung around with a lot of people who were like partying and like doing stuff. But my my best friend there, Andrew, was like he he never did anything. It was kind of just like if you don't do anything, I won't do anything, and we just kind of held each other accountable in that. Um, so I never uh, like strayed from like mm-hmm. like if they were going out to party or drink or do whatever. I just we just hung out at Andrews and didn't do anything. Um, so I didn't really do anything um, crazy um, until I got to Valley. Were you still dealing with the depression at all? Um, it wasn't so much like, I mean, may, I think like I, at that point I'd stuffed it down pretty deep. Um, the biggest issue I had was this like feeling of when you're hanging out with a bunch of people who are like partying and hanging out, like doing like, you know, their thing together, you feel very much on the outside. Um, so I felt like it was just like me and my friend Andrew and then like the inner circle, we, we just weren't a part of it. So I just didn't really feel a part of, I didn't feel connected. Um, and so when my mom kind of offered the opportunity to go to Valley, I took it immediately. Why did, so you took it. Why did you take it? Well, I just, I mean, my brother went there for the, a year. And I, I went and watched the football games. I went and, like, I just, like, saw that, heard about the small school environment and all that. And I was like, I, like, do not enjoy a public school. I don't enjoy the school I'm at. And, like, I don't have that, like, good friends. So I maybe, like, just wanted to look for something different. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you transferred to Valley. Yeah. Second semester of your junior year. Yeah. What happened? So I went, uh, I, I shadowed a kid named TJ Widener, you know TJ, um, and I immediately kind of just like was filtered into his friend group, which was Corey and a few of our other friends. And um, it still was like, I was like, these are people who've known each other for like their entire lives. Like fifth grade. It's like the, it's like the classic Christian school kids, like all they've ever known is Christian school. Yeah. We've known each other since fifth grade. Like that was me. Like a hundred percent. So protected, never seen the actual reality of the world, and we were all close, and that's just how it was. So Ben comes along. Yeah, I come in. Year. I mean, Corey's like Bible thumper since he's a junior. Like, I, I mean, since I've met him, like, just like, <laughs> Jesus, like, is the best, and I'm like, yeah, like, whatever, cool. Like, I guess so, you're right. Like, c- calm down, Corey. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I'm, like, a part of the friend group, but it's also, like, I just, like, how do I build a connection with these people in a way that they've built connections with each other because they've known each other forever? Um, so. Yeah, I would imagine, I, I feel like in my own personal experience, when you try to, like, when you have an established friend group and you try to work your way into it, have you ever have had that happen before? It's just, like, it just feels like it does not work. Like, they either open you up and welcome you in, and it's great, or it's, like, it feels probably pretty lonely. Yeah. Or discouraging, or whatever. Yeah. So you have to deal with that. So like, th- and like they were like like good kids, like, and it was like kind of the I had the same feeling though as the people I was hanging out with at Gilbert High of like partying and like going crazy. I didn't feel like I was a part of that group, 
And then I come to Valley, and there's a group of guys who are, like, good guys who, you know, love the Lord. And, you know, but I still, like, I still felt like I was on the outside of the group. Um, and that is, and so and that, that's when I started to meet, um, started hanging out with these other people. There were these two kids at school that I really started hanging out with, got close with um, during soccer season. We played soccer together. And we were hanging out. And this is kind of like the initial, like, descent into darkness, as Corey was saying. We're hanging out one night, and, you know, Buddy pulls out, like, a 30 rack and of a beer, and he's like, you know, you want to drink? And I was terrified. I was like, I don't know. And he's like, come on. And I'm like, and, like, this was, like, these two guys, like, the first time I've ever felt like I was, like, a part of the group. Like, like these were my people. Like, and I was like, I can't lose this. Like, I've, like, I've spent my entire school life trying to get this and i'm like halfway through senior year like i need like I, this is like my last chance you would say so i uh i decided i was like yeah i'll, I'll drink and i got you know I, I drank until i got drunk i passed out on the kitchen floor um and then two weeks later we're hanging out again and they're like hey you want to smoke and i'm like no and they're like come on it's fine and I was like, I was just so afraid to lose that friendship that I was like, fine, I'll do it. And um, I smoked weed for the first time. Um, that was kind of like the start of, I, I, and I don't know what the, like, I didn't even like it. Like, I, when I first smoked, I mean, I was like, I was dizzy. I was like, I was like, what is this? This is terrible. I felt sick. And then I passed out. And I felt like that with them for like the first, I don't know, probably a dozen times. And I did not want to do it, but I, I was like, I'm going to continue doing this. So to maintain the relationships yeah. is what drove you there. Yeah. And I, and then one day, you know, like, I don't know, my college foot, whatever it was, I, I was like, oh, I, I love this. Um, and it was a, a mixture of me loving it and me not realizing I had this, uh, like, addict gene in me. Um, and I just started just rolling down this path of, like, you know, partying and drinking and smoking. And by the summer after my senior year, I was doing cocaine. And I was like, like, I tried that. And I was like, whoa, like this, like, you know, this is awesome. And it was like, it's just weird. Like, I was so afraid to drink the first time. And it's like, every time I'd be like, oh, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do this. And I would smoke. And okay, well, I'll stop. This is all I'll do. But, you know, mm. and then, you know, I got offered the opportunity to do cocaine and i was like i don't know and he's like you know it'll, it'll be f it's fine it's fine i'm like all right whatever and i tried it and then it's like i just constantly like had these like walls like okay well i won't do this and i just kept breaking those walls down yeah so how are you processing all of this spiritually at the time because you're in a hyper cheesy christian environment yeah you have uh, a mom who loves jesus yeah uh you were raised in the faith I mean, I remember in my seasons of wandering, there was like this, like, I was constantly processing my uh, my rebellion and my darkness with the Lord. Like, yeah. like where was Jesus in this? Like, were you just kind of like stiff arming, like, just do my own thing? Or like, how, like, what was going on in your mind and heart yeah, with I, Jesus? I feel like I stiff armed Jesus, like you said, in the way, like, I don't, like, it's like I, I, my biggest battle was like getting caught that I was so afraid of that the thought of like Jesus was like, okay, he's the last of my worries right now. I'm worried about my mom. Like she's terrifying. Um, like I did not want to, that was like, so like the, the whole thought of like Jesus, like, you know, me sinning and all that. I just like, that was the last uh, thing on my mind at the time. Like I just, I had just completely, and I, I think that stemmed from the fact that I had never really built a relationship with Jesus. Like, I knew about him, and I knew everything, like, I knew the, the stuff, like, like I said, but, so I, I didn't feel the need to, you know, go to God and for forgiveness, um, especially knowing that he would forgive me whenever I wanted him to, because that's what the Bible yeah. told me, at least I thought. Yeah, and, and I remember, um, we were never, like, I would say tight in high school, or, no. like, super close, but we were in close proximity enough that it was football, yeah. or classes, because you were the loudest, funniest person in the class, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, don't, I don't think I ever knew about any of this. And maybe I heard something through the grapevine. So, like, were you trying to hide it purposely? Like, was it, were you kind of, like, open about it? Like, this is what I'm doing and I don't care? Or was it very privatized, um, like, just the two guys that you were smoking and drinking with knew about it? Like, who knew? 
Well, it was very hidden for a while, especially at school, because one, my friend that I was doing with, his mom was a teacher there, and so we just like, we were like, we can't go out there, and we just, we just assumed Valley was a bunch of narcs, so we were like, we can't tell, we can't let anyone find out about us, like, Corey gonna rat on me if he finds out. Yeah. <laughs> God did a lot of work in me. <laughs> it's a different interview. <laughs> Yeah, so I, yeah, we kept it very much on the DL. Yeah, so, okay, so uh, high school, you, uh, you know, you transfer to Valley, uh, you get introduced to alcohol, you start engaging with that, you start smoking weed, so now it's a habit, it's like a, I mean, it's just, is this all you guys are doing while you're hanging out? Yeah, especially on the weekends, it's like, yeah. we maybe did a bit during the weekday, but weekends come, yeah. you know. I'm telling my mom I'm at Alan's house. Alan's telling his mom he's at my house, and then he's telling, you know, we're going, and then we're just like, all right, yep. let's go. Like, we'll go f wherever. We go stay at a yeah. park. Yep. You know, we would just. So if high school's like the descent into kind of like the start of this darkness, mm -hmm. I would say college for you would be like just straight out living life in the darkness. Yeah. So you get to college. Uh, how'd you decide you're going to GCU and just kind of pick up the story from end of high school? Uh and then move forward from there. Yeah, so getting into to college was, um, once I got in there, it was like I had no fear of getting caught because I was living in the dorms. Like, I just, all that fear of, like, oh, someone's going to find out just went out the window. So it was every single day. I was going to GCU, and for three months, roughly every day, I drove from GCU to ASU. I drank, I smoked, and drove back. So for three months, I drove home, like, 20, 25 minutes drunk, high, and just, like, like whatever, like, it doesn't matter. Um, my roommates actually called me the ghost for, like, the first six months of GCU because they never saw me. And we were on the same floor. Uh, yeah. Sedona? Yeah. So yeah, so, so anybody live in Sedona? Uh, you don't live there now. You live with me. Okay. <laughs> 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 yes, anyway, so Sedona Hall, yeah. freshman year of college, uh, we're on the same floor. I'm kind of seeing all this happen, and yeah. yeah. So I got a job at the mail center there. I was working. Um, I would literally take the golf cart like five times during my shift and just drive to my room and go smoke in my bathroom and then drive back to work. Um, and that was like it was just a very consistent, gradual incline of you know, from you know smoking to doing pills to just doing whatever I could get my hands on. And then it wasn't until when did, did you start working there? Sophomore year? I got you a job. Mm. Or was that freshman year? I think it was freshman year. So freshman year, I got Corey a job at the mail center. And he got to. <laughs> so me and Corey It was together. actually a lot of fun. I'm not yeah. going to lie. We played it was not cool yeah. like at all. But it was <laughs> like, you know, like, like, the, like the people with the packages and they just drive around and smile. And yeah, that was us. Like Ricky with Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. <you> <laughs> That's what we did. Yeah. It was great. And I was smiling because I was high as a kite. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah. I, got, I got Corey a job there, and he kind of really saw, like, a, a pretty crazy, um, like, incli like, like, incline into my darkness. Um, I got caught in, at some point within my time at school by my parents, and um, there was a point where I was getting, they said they were going to test me all stuff, so I was getting a little worried as they tested. So I started drinking quite a bit because of that, because I needed to feel something. And Corey actually found me passed out in the bathroom, drunk. And he's like, you good? And I'm just laying on the floor like, yep. Like, and it's just like, yeah. And I remember, if I'm just being completely transparent, yeah. I, I remember hearing kind of rumors of like what was going on with you in high school, but I didn't know what to do about it. And if I'm being completely honest, I was just kind of like, eh, whatever, he'll just do his thing. Um, I don't know if I was being a, like overtly judgmental, but just you know when you distance yourself from mess because you don't know what to do when you get close to it, that was high school. And then um, also the Lord had revealed how messy I was uh, to then have compassion for other people with mess too, and so that was part of my growing experience. But when I got to college, I remember that day. Um, I remember like freshman year of college when I was walking down the hall. I was like, oh man, like he's he's deep into this. And I remember when I, when I came into work that one day, and like, like you said, I come into the bathroom, um, and then I'm like, the door's locked.
can't get in there. And I, you know, I don't know why. I looked under. <laughs> Creep. <laughs> I looked under. You know, like, is anybody in there? <laughs> and no, he was he was passed out on his back on the bathroom floor, just gone. Um, and I remember standing there. I didn't. I probably should have done something about it. I don't know what I did. I honestly don't even remember. Thanks for doing nothing. I mean, I oh my gosh. Lost my job. I don't. I don't <laughs> think I knew what to do. Um. And so I just kind of left. And I was like, well. And you know those people in your, your life where you go, they're so far down the trail that you can't get them back? That's kind of, I, ha- I hate saying, it cr- makes me cringe now saying that out loud. But I was like, we have those categories for people, even at a subconscious level. You're like, yeah, they're done. Like, their life is over. And um, they're, they're being a fool. And that's just kind of, that's how I thought. And I just kind of let him be and from that point on there was no pursuit of me towards the OM. Yeah. Um, which we can talk about that at the end. But I'd love for you to carry on your story from there. Yeah, so carry on from there. Sophomore year of college, um, I was in and out of class barely like my first semester. Basically stopped going to class second semester, didn't go to a single class that semester. Um, I basically just I would stay up till probably five, six in the morning work all day long, wake up, and kind of just like repeat the cycle. Um, just hanging out with just all the worst people that just had nothing but, you know, not, they had not my best interest at heart. Um, but I just, I was stuck in it. And I thought I loved it. I mean, I was like, I was so, ha- I was like weirdly happy to be where I was at. I was like, oh, I got food. I've got a place to stay. You know, I got, you know, I get to, you know, smoke whenever I want, whatever it is. Like, I just, like, I was happy. And I was, like, in just, like, a terrible, terrible spot. And I remember I was outside. Because I, I, throughout all this time within school, I was going home. And, like, you know, when I was at home, I was going to church with my family. And, like, I was normal. Like, you would not, like, know that I was, like, doing the things I was doing because I could just switch it and put on an act with my family. And... I was sitting outside on, like, the fire escape, and I just, like, I could feel this, like, this, like, basically this light and this darkness, like, pulling me in two different directions, and I was, like, I have to make a decision for my own sanity of, like, what I'm going to do. Am I going to give up drugs and the people I'm with and, like, you know, or I'm, and go, or I'm just going to go down that path and just see where it takes me? And in that moment, I chose darkness. I chose, like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to my family, and I'm going to tell them what I'm doing, everything I'm doing, and I'm going to tell them I'm done, like I don't want to be a part of the family anymore. Um, and that um, leads me to this journal. So this journal um, is a journal that my mom actually wrote for me. She basically, from that day, or two days after the day I went home and told them that I was leaving, she started writing in this journal. And she wrote for about a year and a half until she ran out. She had one page left. And on that page, she wrote, um, this page will be left until the day I can write that you've walked away from drugs, your lifestyle, and you are free from the bondage of sin. So I'm going to read the first page for you. I'm going to try to keep it together. I can't read this thing without crying. So um, just please uh, forgive me if I take a long time to read it okay i got this come on (laughs) dear benjamin now this is on march 22nd 2016 for um, reference dear benjamin two days ago my world turned upside down you came home and told us that you are doing drugs that this is who you are that you are moving out and no longer want to be a part of our um, any of your family I'm shocked and sad. I cannot believe that this is you. Well, it's not you. I know this is the drugs talking. I'm beside myself with grief. So I'm so, so, and I'm going to pour my emotions into this journal. I'm going to write to you, and one day when you come home to me, and one day we reunite and you're healthy again. You are the Benjamin we know. I will give it to you. And you can read my journey through all of this. 
I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to write the truth. And Benjamin, I hope and pray you never hear it. from your child. I'm teasing you. I cannot describe to you the pain of hearing that. Not knowing if you are safe is killing me. I feel like I have lost you to death. I'm grieving your son. I love you so much. I will never change. And I'm trusting that the Lord will protect you. When you walk down this, when you walk down, walk down this dark road. I don't want to have to bury you, son. This is my greatest fear. And I continually have to drop to my knees and surrender to our Savior who loves you more than I do. I'm not sleeping well, averaging a couple hours a night. I cry all the time, hoping and praying that my phone will ring. And it's you saying how sorry you are. And it was all a mistake. So. So hopefully you all love that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there is a year and a half's worth of, of that, of uh, my mom writing her prayers, her, her, you know, sometimes encouragement, sometimes saying she hates me, wishes I wasn't her son. Um, and, you know, that was the choice that I made was to go home and tell them that I'm, I'm done. And... Uh, from that moment, um, I was gone. You know, I would be in contact with them here and there. Um, you know, sometimes come home for a th- like a holiday or something. But for the most part, for about two years, I was I was living in darkness. I was living um, all over um, Phoenix. Um, I lived in like 35th and Indian School, like all like just like just like some some sketchy areas, and uh, I basically. I went down a really dark path. I I started taking acid, and that was like when really things started to change really bad for me because I fell in love with it. I was taking it um, for as as many times as I could until I couldn't anymore because I didn't feel it, and I had to um, I had to just take a couple weeks off so my tolerance would build back up. Um, Through that entire time, God wasn't even a a thought he was it was just like it, I, it's weird I, I look back now and I never stopped believing in God but I didn't care I just like I was just I, t- I just pushed it away the whole stiff arm thing that you had said and I just didn't want anything to do with it um, but yeah so about two years of that and so you get to you drop out of college yeah and so, why don't you kind of describe, so that's your life. I mean, you're all in. Yeah. Told your family. Um, and, you know, I thought this was really interesting. There's still pages he's reading today that he hasn't read uh, from his mom because it's so much to take in. And, and, uh, and so, you just say it. Like, here's what it is. Here, here's who I say I am. Here's what I'm doing. You drop out of college, and then I never, I'm like, I honestly thought that would be the last time I saw you. Whether it be, I don't see you because, you know, drugs took you to death, yeah. or because I just didn't think I'd ever see you again. But obviously, that's not the case, yeah. or else you wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah. So what happened? So, um, looking back now, I mean, God's timing is unbelievable. I mean, he orchestrated a lot for me to get to where I am today. Um, basically, there was a, a week span. I lost my job. I lost my apartment. And I had I literally a dollar something in my bank account. And I was like on the brink of homelessness. My buddy said I could stay with him for a couple weeks. But he's like, I can't support you. And so 
that was a week after my 21st birthday. And I went home. I decided to go home for Thanksgiving. I went there, went to my dad's, and then I drove home with my sister. It was a two-and-a-half-hour drive. And my sister laid into me for two and a half hours straight. It was the first time we had an actual conversation in about two years. And she just laid into me. You've ruined this family. Mom has never been the same since you left. Like, you, like, I hate you. I, like, you, like, I, th- I thought, like, I leave, like, what, okay, it's fine. I do my thing. How am I hurting other people? And I was, like, just suffocating the life out of my siblings because of me being gone was just like affecting the family so much and uh got a call from my my sister and her, my nephew was on the phone and she pointed the phone to me and my nephew goes who is that and i was like dang it was my own nephew i have no idea who i am and uh, i went home that day got there and we went out to a thanksgiving service um at central christian church and I went home that night, and my parents had an intervention for me with two people from Recovery in Pines uh, Rehab in Prestwick, and uh, it took me five minutes to decide to go. It was that might be the, the fastest intervention ever, and they were just like, I was like, I've got nothing. I was like, I, I, I'm hopeless, so I mean, I guess I'll go. Um, I, they said, you can't take anything, no bags, nothing. I had no clothes. I just went there with what I had. I got in the car immediately and they drove me so i literally just had the clothes i was wearing um they ended up getting a bag for me a few days later but i was en- ended up going there um i was in rehab for eight months um but within rehab i uh it was a christian rehab and i started to you know like we were i was forced to go to like church like four times a week like i was doing classes all this stuff like just um they'd always say you don't have a drug problem you have a character problem and just all these classes on character and just like you know getting into the word and I just started to like build this relationship with with Jesus like I like like basically um started to have I, I, I went to church my whole life and I never had a relationship with Jesus and I encountered him when I was in rehab and uh two months into rehab I got baptized and from that point um I was kind of talking to Corey about this earlier there was like this like two months like, since I got baptized, from when I got baptized, I grew in my faith more than I had grown in my faith since I was a kid. Like, I, I went to church for, I don't know how many years, and I did not even come close to the growth that I had when I was, it was two months after I was baptized. Like, it was just like, this is what a relationship with Jesus feels like. Like, I don't know if you've had those experiences when you're like, worshiping or whatever and you get those like chills down your spine like and like that's like my like kind of like thing where i'm like oh like the holy spirit is here like i never experienced that until um i actually encountered a relationship with jesus i think one of the the things that's really interesting about that is it shows that proximity with jesus doesn't equal relationship Mm. you can be in the middle of this room like this and be just as lost in darkness as if you've never stepped foot in this room before. And um, that's one of the things that I was listening about, listening and reflecting on when you're talking. I'm like, man, especially for me, you know, I'm like, man, I'm like around Jesus stuff so much. And it's so easy to get used to it. Um, And like my proximity does not equal intimacy. Um, Anyways, so this is what's crazy. He drops out of uh, GCU. I never think I'm going to see him again. I go to a Halloween party with my uh, small group. Um, and I show up, and Ben's there, sober, smiling. And I was like, Ben, like, what? <laughs> like, what's <laughs> up, dude? And I, he, he, he's like, I'm sober, and I met Jesus. And I was like, get out of here. I could not believe it. And it was funny because that was the first day that I, I saw him since he, uh, since he met Jesus, like yeah. truly encountered the living God. Um, when you truly encounter the living God, you don't walk away the same. Yeah. And so he shows up there, and then that's also the night that he uh, meets his wife, Leonay, for the first time. Yeah. And so it's just like this crazy moment in like where I go like, oh my gosh, like I just saw, I just saw this kid like 
walked away into the darkest dark where I couldn't even see him anymore. It was so dark. And I show up, and he is just a completely different person. Um, and so one of the qu questions that I had when I was kind of reflecting on that is, um, like, I'm guessing this room is full of all sorts of different people, all sorts of different stories. Um, whatever, you serve whatever you're consumed by. Uh, whether that's money, whether that's um, an image, whether that's, um, you know, drugs, sex, uh, pornography, you go down the list. Like how, like, how did Jesus get a hold of you? Like, I know you said you met him, but, like, I I'm sure there's people in here that are like, I'm in darkness, and I cannot get out. Mm. Have you ever felt that way? Like, I just cannot get out of this darkness. I cannot get out of this insecurity. I cannot get out of my sex, addi uh, sex addiction. I can't not break uh, my judgmental spirit. Like, I just, I'm stuck. Like, how, like, how did that happen? Well... I think the, the first step in that was I was just, I was broken. I mean, I had to basically surrender everything I had because I just, I couldn't do anything on my own anymore. Like, I had just gotten to the point where I just, I could not function on my own, and I had to just give it all up, and I was just brought to my knees. Um, and on top of that, I think with just getting out of it like, I just I needed help like from like someone other than me like and I'm not even talking about like Jesus because obviously like, I needed Jesus and Jesus intervened in my life but it took somebody else pulling me out of where I was like my parents like taking me and like you need rehab you need help um, and I'm not saying everyone needs rehab to get out of their problems but if I you cannot speak about it, you will never get out of it. Mm. I think discipleship is rehab. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like uh, it's a, when, we're, when we sing these songs about, like, the, the resurrected king is resurrecting me, it's like this rehab into the person that God has created me to be. Um, and one of the things that I do when I'm stuck in sin is I go, it's not that big of a deal to verbalize it to somebody else. Or I'll, or I'll verbalize it to somebody that I know won't actually do anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's something about, like, we're, like, not, not choosing certain types of sin to be okay with not verbalizing to others, you know? Mm -hmm. And that, like, the one of the things that really struck me about, like, your story is, one, people loved you enough to tell you the really hard thing and to say, like, you have to get help. And I think, w like, uh, if we're going kind of full circle back around, I think that's one of the things that I regret. And honestly, it was really hard for me. Um, <coughs> it's really hard for me to see that story because um, on my angle, I, like, when I, when I, I had a reputation for being the Christian as you could be kid and um, in high school and honestly all growing up. And I don't. Um, and it was genuine. It's not like it was like fake. It was it was genuine um, and cheesy at the same time. Um, but when I read Jesus in the Gospels, I don't see him avoiding mess. Um, so I was known for being really like Jesus, but being nothing like Jesus because I was I thought I was moral, um, and I thought I was the good kid. Um, I was prideful. And I see somebody walking in darkness, um, you know, not going out of my way to bring you in close. Like, I just go, like, if I, if I, um, <clears throat> if I could have intervened and not, like, be your savior. But if I could have intervened and reached out to you while you were, I know, my turn. <laughs> but if I, if I, if I could have intervened and, like, pulled you in, like, I, you would talk about, like, Christian community, like, people in darkness need a place to go. And they need people to pull them in. Um. And how often we expect people just to, like, hey, make your way into this family. Just, like, figure it out yourself. But, like, Ben needed somebody to, like, pull him in. And, like, I, like, I missed that opportunity. And not did I just miss it in high school. I missed it in college where I could have, like, Jesus, he went straight to it and just addressed it. And I think that's one of the things that I, like, reflect on in the story. I was like, man, like, if you know somebody, um, you know somebody who's in that spot. 
who will not listen to anything unless you grab them by the collar in love <laughs> and say, you need help. Not mm. from a place of judgment, but from a place of compassion. It's just like, you need Jesus. And like, I will do whatever you need. I will call whoever I need to call. I will drive you to where, like, but we need to like get you right with Jesus. And like, mm. have that type of urgency about being reconciled to God. Um, I think it's just a testimony of what type of family I think God calls us to be. Like, there's people that walk through these doors that are just as stuck and are just as um, uh, hurting that need somebody, need a family to pull them in. And so um, we, we don't, we're kind of running out of time here. Um, but I do want to ask you, what would you want 710 to walk away with when they hear your story? Yes, I think the biggest thing that I could um, hope and pray that you guys get from it is um, two things. One, that if you need help, like for whatever it is, get it. Um, Whether that be from your, you know, a sibling or your parent or a friend or me, you, and you want to come to me after whatever it is. Um, Seek help. Because I would hate to see anyone go down the path that I did um, in as long as I did. Um, and also, um, when it comes to, let me see, don't think that you need to go through a story like mine to experience extreme faith in Christ. Like, don't feel like, oh, well, I've never had to, you know, been in the, the darkest parts ever and, like, be struggling with alcohol and, you know, drug addiction, and then look at him now. Like, like I'll never experience that faith. You do not need um, that type of story to experience that type of faith. And I just challenge you to look within yourself and use my story and find like Corey said find in your story where you can relate that and you can have an unbelievable faith that God can restore you from that that's great I'm gonna ask you one last question and then we'll wrap up with the song um what do you love about Jesus from your story I mean I mean, the biggest thing, I think it's just like the most obvious answer is the fact that he is relentless, that he never, ever gave up. Um, And not only for me, like for my mom, when she is on her knees every day, like she should have gave up. She had every right to give up. And Jesus was like, keep praying and keep on like just like one day, then we'll come around. And I gave her a sense of like, just like, I don't know if it was peace or what it was, but she continued to pray. And uh, there's power in prayer. Mm. Um, Yeah. Amen. Guys, will you thank Ben uh, for sharing and being vulnerable tonight? Thank you. Um, Yeah. Uh, I I think um, as uh, before I kind of pray, one of the things that I just want to leave you with here tonight is um, I think sometimes for some of us sitting in the room, there can be a disconnect with a story like this. Because I'll go for me. Drugs was never my thing. Like, you, I feel like you could lay drugs right in front of me and be like, oh, it like, just doesn't do anything for me. Um, <laughs> some of you are laughing. But there's other things that, like, you just, right, you bring it in proximity, and there goes my sinful nature. It just starts to go. And one of the things that I was really thinking about was, we all have, I call it diverse darkness. Uh, we are all born into the dark, and our darkness is diverse. And we like to make different levels of darkness, like, oh, the drug addicts are up here, and the, you know, the, um, the person that's just kind of, like, a little bit self-absorbed is kind of, like, we just kind of, like, rank things, like, we do things like that. Um, but all darkness is darkness. And, 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 and in your life, um, there is something, if you're like, if, if Jesus calls us to follow him on the path of light, there is a, a customized, custom-made temptation of darkness that is fit just for you. 
that Satan has. And you could name it. You know what it is. The thing that when you're bored, you tend to think about. When you're depressed, you think about. The thing that when you're anxious, you, you look to to give you comfort. It could be money. It could be sex. It could be uh, all sorts of different things. But you know what that is. And I just want to encourage you, whatever that is, that tonight, that my first thing that I would just encourage you to do is, one, in Ben's story, I want you to see that Jesus wants to take that from you. Not to rub it back into your face, but he wants to take that from you because he wants to fill you with his love. And I love what Ben said. Like, he is pursuing you. If you feel like you're in darkness and you can't even look up to see Jesus, like, he is looking at you. He's pursuing you. And I heard this line, and I just want to repeat it because hopefully it's for somebody in the room. Like, no matter where you are, no matter where you've done or what you've done and where you've done it, just come home. Just come home. Come to the light. Let the, the light and grace of Christ shine on you and experience his healing and his freedom. And, uh, and then worship the Lord because he is so good. And all of us have so many stories where we can just go, God has just been so, so good to me. So I'm going to invite Jonathan and Sarah up. Um, thank Ben again for uh, coming up. Uh, we're going to sing a song called uh, Rebuilder. Uh, which is all about how Christ has uh, rebuilt the broken things in our lives. And, um, and so I'm going to pray while Jonathan and Sarah get set up, and then we'll sing this, and then uh, we'll be done for the month. Uh, bow your heads in prayer with me. Uh, Lord, we love you, and uh, we're just so thankful for your mercy and your grace, God. We're so thankful for Ben's story and the way that he has just so vulnerably laid out God his path so vulnerably uh, laid out the ways that, um, God, he's wandered, and, and yet, Lord, in the darkness, he found your grace, and in his, uh, his desperation, he found wholeness and freedom in you, Jesus. Uh, Jesus, I, I know that you have spoken to many people in the room tonight, um, and so, Jesus, however you're stirring in the hearts of, uh, of those of us in the room who are really feeling drawn by you, God. I pray that we'd be sensitive to the Spirit's work. pray that we'd be open to you, Jesus, and that we would bring uh, the dark parts of our life uh, to the light. And Lord, I pray that we would not leave tonight uh, praising your name because you are good, and that we can come home, and that before we offer up our reasons and our unworthiness, God, you just throw a, a ring on our finger, your righteous robes around us, and you say, my son or daughter has come home. And so, Lord, we worship you and we praise you. Uh, Jesus, you are our king, you are our savior. We love you, Lord. Amen.